Welcome back, baseball fans. Episode 66 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. The AL and NLCS are set. Some surprising finishes. I'm sure James will have lots to say. Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, or <laughs> excuse me, Yankees, Astros, Phillies, You're a bitch. Padres. You're a bitch all advance. Let's get into it. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. All right, James, let's start right with the Dodgers-Padres series. We're going to review all the DS series and then preview the CS, but we've got to start here. James, just give me your thoughts. Yeah, and I think, you know, I want to kick this off. This segment's probably going to go a little little bit longer uh, than normal, but obviously I have a, a lot to talk about uh, considering what we said. First of all, I want to say I'm actually not surprised. I feel like everyone is surprised. You know, I had them to beat the Mets I very well thought they could have beat the Dodgers, and and they did. And the first place I want to start uh, is actually with an acknowledgement of the San Diego Padres and the fact that they genuinely played an incredible series. Their starting pitching got the job done. Their relief arms were near unhittable. Um, Josh Hader and Suarez were, I mean, literally untouchable. Um, their offense got it done. Those lower guys, I think of Kim, Grisham, Myers, even Nola got it done when it mattered. Machado obviously plays played some of his best baseball. Juan Soto was okay. Um, so just a tip of the hat there. They very fairly won. They were the better team. Um, and they put together an incredible series. So I want to get that out of the way um, and acknowledge that. So that, that's first order of business. Padres did good. Second order of business Let's put things in perspective. This is literally the most meaningful thing their organization has ever done in the history of baseball. So, again, it's like, eh, this is one NLDS, whatever. For them, it's like they just won 47 World Series. Uh, But I also want to say their fans are classless. Or I shouldn't generalize all of them. But the things I was reading on Twitter that these Padres fans were saying about Vin Scully were legitimately disgusting, uh, appallable. Um, they're just, it, it was, it was insane stuff that I would never say. I don't know why anyone who has grandparents or parents would say some of those things. So I also want to say that that is just disgusting. And those people will be uh, punished by karma, um, in the long run, uh, with that out of the way, Max, let's get your reactions before I start. Cause once I get going on the Dodgers, it's going to be a runaway freight train. Yeah, no, I, you know, and I I encourage you to give your thoughts here. Um, I mean, to me, it, it was just shocking. Um, everything looked good after game one. Um, you know, Julio came out and gave a good performance. Uh, and I, I, I felt like the Dodgers were going to run, run over the series, and I felt like that before the series, too. Um. And then everything just kind of changed and the Padres were able to win three straight. I was worried about you's start because we've talked about how good you Darvish is. He's starting in game one tonight and he was able to win game two. 
game four is kind of where the total collapse came. I mean, game uh, game three was interesting as well, but game four, I mean, you I, you know, you texted me saying it was the worst inning in Dodgers history, which might be true. Um, it seemed like they had that game under control. You know, Musgrove was pitching really well, but they were still able to put runs on the board. They were up 3-0 through seven. I felt good that if they were able to get through Musgrove, despite his good performance and be up, they had a good chance of taking it back to LA, getting Julio back on the mound and taking the series. And then just a total collapse. I mean, that five run seventh inning, um, I mean, it was a total bullpen failure. All these arms that came in just kept seeming to give up hits. Everybody on the Padres was hitting Cronenworth with a huge single. Hassan Kim played really well. Um, and then at that point, it seemed like all the momentum was taken from L.A. San Diego was just rocking at that point, And it seemed like it was going to be a pretty insurmountable lead. And then that was that. You know, I, you got to credit the San Diego fans for showing up. That place was packed with San Diego fans in a place that is usually pretty Dodger heavy. Um, and they were able to close it out there, James. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I take exception to that because it was the gutless organization who refused to sell tickets to anyone outside of the four surrounding counties. That is the reason that the fans weren't there. Um, I understand it, but it's just pretty sad that that's your only way to retain a home field advantage. Um, Again, there's not really many real fans. Most San Diego fans were born approximately seven days ago or became fans seven days ago. Um, but yeah, that that inning was the game. The second it got so out of hand, I just started laughing. Like it shifted from like, oh, what's happening to just like I couldn't stop hysterically laughing. I mean, you knew it was over. They piled on the runs again. They went through uh, the full lineup, faced 11. or I think they actually got the uh, last out on the 12th um, plate appearance. So that's insane. And I it's akin to me to the Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell um, decision in the World Series that benefited the Dodgers. Ultimately, is what Dave Roberts did. I think Tyler Anderson could have easily gotten through, navigated. He was absolutely dealing, pitching his best stuff. Again, had given up zero runs, uh, and they hooked him early. Didn't need to. I think he navigates that. And I think if you want, once you get back to the top of the lineup, sure, you don't really need to see Soto for a fourth at bat. I'm with you there. Didn't need to hook him there. Um, total runaway freight train, absolute bullpen collapse. Uh, and part of it's also Dave Roberts' total mismanagement, um, which is a recurring theme. Again, he shouldn't have pulled him. But then the weirder thing is Almonte comes in, gets two big outs. He's dealing, it's heated, back-to-back strikeouts, throws one ball, and then he did a mid-at-bat substitution, pulls uh, Alex Vesia in on limited rest, who immediately gives up the the game-winning hit, and I don't blame him. He pitched four pitches to warm up, and you pulled a guy on the mound who was dealing. It's more of the same to me, the Dodgers in the last decade. You know, they've had incredible dominance, all these playoff appearances. It's more of the same. Dave Roberts comes in put together a 100-win season, a great season, and an absolute collapse down the stretch. Now, I fully believe if they navigate that seventh inning and get back to L.A. with Julio in the seventh, I fully believe they are playing tonight. I have no doubt that they would have won that game at Dodger Stadium. Um, However, San Diego did what they had to do. They won a game on the road. They used home field advantage, and they got it done. Um, So, again, 
props to them. And Max, I don't know if you want to say anything, but at some point I'm going to shift here to a blueprint I've put together to save the Dodgers because, and let, let me just say before you even chime in, the biggest issue here is culture. It's clearly a culture. It's clearly, I have massive issues with Dave Roberts. I think that's the originator of your culture, but you look all regular season. This is a team that was super fun, smiling, always having a blast. I didn't see one smile the whole series that they looked super tight. There was no joy. There was just, just nothing. I mean, the culture was dead. It was a library in that dugout for three straight games. Um, I mean, they really didn't even look like they had a shot. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you made a good point with the Tyler Anderson pull because he was pitching tremendously. I think he had two hits, two walks, six Ks, no runs, um, and was dealing. And then you see the bullpen come in and kind of blow it. But that's one of those things, like if the bullpen comes in and pitches great, you're like, okay, maybe a good call. You don't want Tyler out there um, to see some of these guys again for a third or fourth time and then give up runs. Um, I mean, on game two, too, real quick, that felt like a game that they should have won too. Um, they lost two one. They gave up the homer in the fourth to Grisham, who we talked about before, is playing tremendously. And Gonsolin only goes one and a third. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? Going one and a third to Gonsolin and then to Heaney. I mean, Gonsolin wasn't. He gave up four hits, but like, I don't know. I feel like you got to ride with him, maybe. I, I actually agreed with, with pulling him there, which I know is not mm. the normal sentiment, but he just had no control. And again, I don't blame him. He's coming. He had one start uh, in game 161. I'm coming off the IL. He had absolutely nothing but his fastball going. His split finger was not there uh, with that took away a strikeout pitch, and he was getting shelled. So the reason I like the pivot is that they did have both May and Heaney in the bullpen so they had starting pitchers that so it's like if you're gonna make that you did you had to make the move there and basically give Heaney a start I think if you do like the three inning thing now you're just in a weird like how do we navigate this um but yeah I mean they they need they look they needed to win the game behind Kershaw at home they needed to win in Dodger Stadium I will say this narrative on Kershaw though is absolute horseshit I'm not entertaining it at all he gave up three runs and people are crucifying him it's like dude if your starting pitcher holds it to three runs with that offense that's fine um look the end of the day if you want to diagnose a baseball problem again i said it was culture the big problem was hitting with runners in scoring position something the dodgers have done all year they went two for 26 with runners in scoring position this series they got on base or their approach with runners in scoring position was appalling. Some of the worst at-bats I've seen, um, j- just, I mean, non-competitive at-bats. You had bases loaded non-competitive at-bats. It's like mm. there were some some tough things. And again, a strength of the Dodgers all season was the depth of their lineup. And it pretty much felt like once you got past the top three, no chance until they came back up. Um you know, and, and I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but I have assembled a blueprint of what I think the Dodgers need to do to get away from this 100 wins bounced on the play. I mean, 111 wins in the regular season, uh, fourth highest run differential ever. Every other team in the top four, obviously, won a World Series. They won a singular playoff game. I yeah, I, I mean, as... I don't have too much more to add. I'm interested to hear your plan. I, I think my last thoughts, I mean, it's just a total collapse. This team won 116 games. 
They were 22-23 games ahead of the Padres in the regular season. Um, they had their chances in this series. There were a bunch of moments where it could have gone either way, and they fell short again, again. Um, but, James, let me hear how you would change the Dodgers. Yeah, so, and I mean, at this point, I need a almost a huge transformative change because I believe they are in this rut where they're going to be very good and get bounced early. It's what Dave Roberts has specialized in uh, over his career. So let's start right at the top of it. Dave Roberts needs gone. I yeah. understand he is the winningest manager in baseball that is actively going by winning percentage. I get that. I get this team had an incredible regular season. I get all the factors. Again, with this lineup, I think I could have gotten them to at least 100 wins myself. Um, Dave has to go. His mismanagement of pitchers in the postseason has been appalling. The biggest issue I take is the fact that Austin Barnes only has a job on this earth as a baseball player as far as Clayton Kershaw as a starting pitcher. His only reason for existence is to catch Clayton Kershaw. You have Dave Roberts pitch Clayton Kershaw with Will Smith, which initially Kershaw only gave up three runs. Not great, but it could have been much worse. He found himself in a lot of jams early because he has no – him and Will Smith can't click. He said that. It's a veteran. It is the best pitcher. You got to listen to your guy and trust him. And then the very next game, he catches Austin Barnes for Gonsolin and not for the pitcher he's supposed to. And keep in mind, in the game, he didn't start Barnes. He uses him as a pitch hitter, pinch hitter, in a huge moment with one out in the bottom of the ninth, as opposed to, say, bringing in Chris Taylor, if you want a right-handed bat, Gallo or Bellinger, or really anyone. Like, look, Austin Barnes, he's not on a team because of his offensive abilities. He would tell you that. He's there to catch some mismanagement there. So Dave Roberts has to Totally agree with that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, to me, that was the biggest mismanagement because bullpen, like you said, it can go either way. If a guy pitches a gem, it's great, um, whatever. So I think Dave Roberts has to go. He's too passive. The culture of this team was completely shot. Uh, so that's the first change. Dave has to go. Next up, Justin Turner, one mm. of my all-time favorite Dodgers in the history of the organization. He's been incredibly important. I would say him and Kershaw have been the face of this new era Dodgers, if you will. He's been a rock star at third base. I think he's a guy for forever will be a Dodger legend. He was a fucking pylon this series. I mean, he put together some of the most non-competitive at-bats in playoff baseball I have ever seen. As And I love Justin Turner. Love him. He's incredible. He's just old. He's just old. He's at that point in his career. The Dodgers have a club option on him next year. And my part of the plan calls for them to not pick that up. You need some fresh blood. You need someone who can put together competitive at-bats. And for so many years, that was Justin Turner for the Dodgers. But his inability to really bring anything to the plate. And keep in mind, he was not playing third most of the series. He was DHing, and he was bringing absolutely nothing to the plate. Love Justin Turner. You know, it's time to celebrate what he was, not what he's going to be. Can't pick up the option. Real quick on that. I mean, I, I get it. It's a short sample size, though. You know, he played four games in the postseason. Sure, this season, he's his numbers aren't as good as they usually are. He's slumped below 800 OPS for the first time since 2013. Um, so lowest since he's been on the Dodgers. But he's still batted 278, um, 81 RBIs. I mean, he still was a positive offensive contributor for the team. 
and as well, like last year, he was much better. So I, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe you're closing the book on him too quickly, but he has been there for a while. He's been a part of all these teams. There's always, you know, there's always got to be some time where it's the right time to move off of somebody. And this might be doing it before it's too late and you're caught in something you don't want to be in anymore. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's like preserve the good days, try and get out yep. of it. And it's almost not a Justin Turner issue as much as like I said, this needs to be a new organization, an organizational rebirth. He's part of that old culture. Again, completely non-competitive in the postseason. And I agree with you. If the goal is to beat the dog shit out of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the regular season, that's my guy. But that's not my goal. <laughs> it shouldn't be the team's goal. And as long as he's going to sit there and be an automatic K in the postseason, can't have him. While we're on the subject of Turner's, Trey Turner put together Big a free fantastic agent. regular season and put together the best postseason he has had in his career, um, which is sad that that was a four-game exit, but he did play very well. It's not as much I don't want Trey Turner back as I don't see any universe in which he is a Dodger next year. I think someone else is going to go get him, someone with a bigger payroll, and I'm actually fine with that, and I'll get into this, but – Part of the culture, and this will come up later in this blueprint, part of the culture is the Dodgers need to get off this nice guy. They're, they're kind of like, look, they're one of the evil empire teams. Like People just hate the Dodgers all over the country. However, they happen to have some of the nicest players in baseball on their lineup. Doesn't really work. Trey, you already have Mookie and Freddie locked up for the rest of their life. Trey Turner is almost too nice to be in this spot, and I don't see him coming back. So I'm counting him as not on the team, but it's not that I would not want him back but I'm not too torn up because we need to get away from the nice player. So that's Trey Turner, but he did play very well. Um, although his defense was a shot in the foot in this series, and normally he's not defensively challenged, but unfortunately when the lights shine bright, um, going to get it done. Next up on the blueprint would be Cody Bellinger, a player that is beloved, uh, put together an incredible rookie year, put together an incredible 2019 MVP campaign, had some huge at-bats, including the at-bat that would serve as the game-winning run in the NLCS and route to a World Series. He's been incredible. He's kind of, I wouldn't say a face of the Dodgers, but one of those guys that's part of this core. He's done. He's done. There's a club option on him. They're gonna. He's $18 million on the club option. That thing needs declined tomorrow. Incredible defender. He does a lot with the bat and the clutch, but... First of all, Dave Roberts will not use him in the clutch. Barely played him in the series. Yeah, which I was going to bring that up. Which I don't. What do you think about that? Because there was with. a lot of controversy about Trace, Trace Thompson starting over Belly, especially in that game four. Would you have rather Belly got the start, even though he's been slumping? He's had all these great postseason moments. He was the hero in that 2020 Braves series. He's been the hero before. Do you think they should have turned to him in that game? Well, so so let me say this. Before the series started, I wanted Trace Thompson to start over him. Now, with the benefit of looking back, I think that was a bad decision. Um, Trace Thompson really, he got a couple walks in big moments, but really did not do anything offensively. And his defense was subpar. There were a couple balls hit the center field that like were tough plays that he didn't get to that I fully think Bellinger could have made a play on the ball. Um I also think as bad as the hitting's been the last two seasons, he has a weird ability when it really matters to like find a different zone 
and get PTSD to 2019 and crush the baseball. Um, so again, that, that at bat for Austin Barnes, I think that has to go to Cody Bellinger. If you're going to do that, I would have just said, don't pinch it at all. Um, I think they actually double switched and it was a pitcher spot, but uh, you know, I think that goes there. So it's sad. I like Bellinger. I was on his team, you know, camp belly. I thought he was going to have a bounce back year. I think it's very clear at this point. He's been argumentative with Dodgers hitting coaches. Won't change the approach. He just can't be the answer. I want to see James Altman be that full-time mm. center fielder. And again, I think they need some young, fresh blood. They have the number one pipeline of baseball right now. Let's see some of those guys cannot take belly's option. The defense is good, but it's not good enough to justify Cody Bellinger full-time, especially not at the $18 million salary. So someone is probably going to overpay or he may find himself again in another organization. Wish him nothing but the best. Loved watching him grow up. Awesome guy. Um, fun for the game. But that is not a guy who's going to be part of a World Series winning team in Los Angeles. So Belly's gone. Um, with that, I said I want James Outman there. I think they really need to look at their outfield as a whole. I think that A.J. Pollock trade, which I was a fan of, really seemed to bite them in the butt. Crimble, uh, yeah. Crimble, Craig Kimbrell did not make the postseason roster. I think A.J. Pollock could have provided some at-bats where they mattered. Um, so going off that, I go to Chris Taylor. Um, that seemed to be – and it's hard to judge it. Again, small sample size, didn't play the full series and was coming off injury. Uh, but he was not able to meaning meaning like contribute in a meaningful way. So really the only outfielders who did anything was Mookie Betts, who had a down series as well. But I have no issues with Marcus Lynn Betts. Um, so Chris Taylor, you know, they didn't overpay for him, but I don't think he delivered what, what they thought. Um, so they need to figure out something in the outfield. Again, I think you bring James Altman in, figure out something to do in that left field spot. Um, on starting pitching now, Look, it's tough. They didn't have Walker Bueller. Um, it's going to be big to have him back. Julio was great. Uh, Clayton Kershaw could have a 9,000 ERA. I want him to be a Dodger for the rest of eternity. I don't care if he wins, loses, whatever. He He's earned that right. Um, but I think they need to bolster this in some way. I don't know if they bring Tyler Anderson back. I mean, Gonson, it's, it's hard because the pieces, if everything's healthy, I think they already have the pieces. Starting pitching needs a boost. Um, and I'm nearly done with my blueprint, Max. But one of the other no, things, I have Austin, thoughts once you're done. Yeah, one of the, and one of my other blueprint issues is Austin Barnes. I am fully on board with paying Austin Barnes to just exist as Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher. But if Dave Roberts will not use him in his capacity, there is no reason to take a roster spot when we have Miguel Varjas, who it could be that backup catcher for Will Smith, and is an overall much better player. So I'm fine with Austin Barnes, but if Dave Roberts will not use him, then we need to get rid of him. Um, again, in my model, Dave Roberts isn't the coach uh, or manager, so we'll see. Uh, and then the there's two other things. Uh, well, three other things on the list. So Chris Taylor, I'm not sure where I'm at. You're not going to get out of that. They signed him to a five-year contract. No one's going to trade for him. Um, I'm just not sure he's a solution. So I need, need more data there. Um, and then my two other points – they need to give the Red Sox whatever the hell they want for Kiki Hernandez because I said this was a culture issue. There was no excitement. There was no drive to win. There was no passion on this Los Angeles, not, not an ounce of passion in the Los Angeles dugout or clubhouse this entire series. Their most passionate guy is from Hanser Alberto, who didn't make the roster but was still hanging out on the bench. 
They need to go get Kiki Hernandez. Huge at bat in these moments. Brings the culture. I don't care what they want for him. If it's not Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, or Clayton Kershaw, make the trade. Go get Kiki Hernandez. And then the last (laughs) thing, last thing on the blueprint, they need to get mean. They're too nice of a team. I've said this. Manny Machado is the biggest dickhead in pro sports. It seems to work out. Bryce Harper, dickhead, seems to work out. We got all these nice guys. Freddie's just smiling, laughing away, having a field day at first base as we're getting shelled out of the playoffs. Too many nice guys. Dare I say, I'm not fully on board. I'm not sure where I'm sitting, but there is a shortstop who may be a free agent, is a free agent, and is one of the biggest dickheads in sports who could slot in to take the place of Trey Turner. I don't know if I'm comfortable having this guy on the team, but it would certify a need that I think they just need to get meaner. I don't know how. They need some asshole in them. Everyone already hates them. Let's give them a real reason to hate. Go get mean. That's my blue. I assume you're speaking of who just opted out of his contract, Carlos Correa. That would be true. I'm surprised you'd be interested in. I have a lot. There's a lot to unpack here, and I have a lot of questions. First of all, the Trey Turner thing um, and Justin Turner. I, sure, Justin Turner, you know, that's fine. We talked about it. Trey Turner, though, is an excellent shortstop and is going to make a huge amount of money. Yes. Um, and my question, if you're willing to let them go, who do you want to be play these positions? Is it kind of like a Hanser Alberto, Edwin Rios kind of deal? Are they going to go get a Correa? You know, there's Dansby Swanson on the market. There's these other guys. What what's your plan to replace them? Is, is it Correa? Is it one of these big names, or is it Rios and Alberto and guys have, that have been there? Uh, not Alberto, um, because again, I actually like what he brings to the team. Dave Roberts isn't capable of using him. I think of in the middle of the regular season when he tried to have him lay down a sacrifice bunt instead of letting the guy with the highest hard hit rate on his team swing the damn bat. But I think third base, I would like to see Edwin Rios get a lot more time. I think he has the most home runs per at-bats of anyone in the major leagues. I think he's a savage, should be healthy coming off the surgery. I also think they can fill from within here. Um, The other thing they can do is move Max Muncy to third base. Um, He's rather competent there on the hot corner. Again, a bat who he needs to step it up, but I'm not closing the chapter on him. As far as shortstop, and again, I'm fine taking Trey Turner back. It's a little worrisome with the mean image that this team needs to get. My plan would be to bring in Carlos Correa. And I think that that in itself should tell you the desperation going on in Dodgers land. And in my head, the fact that my plan to save my team is bring in a top five hated athlete of mine and make myself forcefully watch him succeed night in and night out, because that's how far off the page this organization is from where they need to be. Uh, so that is my plan, would be to bring in Carlos Correa, even though I hate him. Last season, I would have said it was blasphemy if I was saying this. They need to get mean. It's the need you have. I think a top three that goes Mookie Betts, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, brings actually a little bit more of a dynamic approach because I think Trey Turner and Mookie Betts serve the same role offensively. Um, back to you for the, fair, the rest fair of the enough. questions. Okay. You know, I might not agree, but that's fine. Um, My next thing, what's this deal with Kike Hernandez? Like, where did that come from? The dude batted 222 this year and was hurt a lot of it and had a sub 700 OPS. Why that just to me, that name seems like it was pulling out of a hat. 
Well, so I've I called. I had a long-standing tradition of calling Kiki Hernandez the electricity factory. There's never been a player uh, that I've watched in the modern era play with so much electricity, um, so much juice. I think back to the three home run game at Wrigley Field and the NLCS. Um, sure, just a savage when it matters. But to me, the Kiki Hernandez is literally not on the field stuff. I'm talking about as a pinch hitter, as a dugout guy. I'm talking about culture, because again, this team seems to be gutless too nice and not care. I need players that care. I mean, you can like, they just don't care. Like the, the only takeaway I could get from that series is they objectively don't care. Um, so I think that's where the Kiki comes from. And again, there could, there certainly are other players who could fill that role, but that's just where I went to. I'd also be fine with October. He could serve the exact same role. You just need, and that's the thing of that group, Chris Taylor, Kiki Hernandez, Jock Peterson, they were going to keep one. They picked Chris Taylor. I think that was the wrong decision. Um, I think basically because of one walk-off home run in the wild card, they paid him a ridiculous deal. I want Kiki Hernandez. This team, they just need passion. There's no passion on this team in the slightest. Um, so that's what Kiki is there for. Bring some electricity, bring some passion, and give me someone who gives a damn about winning or losing. I mean, I'm begging. Yeah. To me, this seems, you know, and you're you're entitled to this. You're the fan. You watch them all year. To me, it seems like there were certain moments in this series where things could have gone very differently. And one ball here, one hit there, and they're playing game one tonight against the Phillies. Um, I don't know if it's worth exploding it. I mean, obviously, a lot of what you're saying is based on now that the fact they're out, how do we look at their future going forward? But I just think they they had a tremendous year and they were so close and they got out by a team that was very hot, knocked off the Mets, who won 100 plus games right before you. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems tough. I know they announced Dave Roberts is back next year, which is fucking <laughs> laughable. It, they One might thing as I well do want to say here. Go ahead. I was just going to say, they might as well put out a press release. We don't give a rat's ass if we ever win a World Series again. That's what it should have read, not Dave Roberts is coming back. One interesting thing here is if you look at since 2016, 2016 Cubs beat the Dodgers win the World Series. 2017, Astros beat the Dodgers in the World Series. 2018, Red Sox beat the Dodgers in the World Series. 2019, Nationals beat the Dodgers in the World Series or in the NLCS win the World Series 2020 Dodgers win the World Series 2021 Braves beat the Dodgers win the World Series 2022 Padres beat the Dodgers do they keep it up and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the Phillies Padres later um, but do you think they keep it up no, I'll explain my logic later, but I don't actually think it, it has nothing to do with on the field play. I think they are good enough to win a World Series. Um, see, no, and, and back to that point, and, and Friedman did say today in his press conference that Dave Roberts should not take the blame for this, and he's getting too much criticism. I have no clue what series he watched, what mismanagement <laughs> he watched and thought was acceptable. I don't know who else to blame. I mean, I'm not going to blame Freddie Freeman who put up three hits in an elimination game. Uh, not necessarily going to blame Julio. So it's like, I'm running out of people to blame. You're the one who makes the decisions. Um, so I get, and I do get it. It may be a bit of an overreaction here with the blow up, but it's just like, I feel like this team is in that, that rut of not being able to get it done. And I do want to be clear. I would be more than happy to have Trey Turner back on the team. 
I do not think he re-signs with the Dodgers. That's that's more um, where that's coming out of. But they do for the record, get, I don't either. Yeah, they need to go get Kiki Hernandez. That is that is actually like prior, if I'm Andrew Friedman, I'm calling the Red Sox tonight. Like, and I was like, dude, what what do you want? Like cash consideration? We'll give you the whole outfield, not name Mookie Betts. The whole outfield. Um, I just, I, I cannot believe you're all on board for Kike Hernandez and Carlos Correa. Like they're the saving grace for the Dodgers that won 116 games. Well, because, because you have to approach this rebuild from a different circumstance. Cause it's not the normal, we just need to get better to win. They clearly had a roster that was good enough. To, it was the best roster in baseball. So you got to look at the dynamics of, of the culture, the meanness, the guts, which again, just zero guts. And I knew that that's the second that seventh inning ended. I'm like, this team has no guts. They're not scoring two runs. No chance. Um, they then, I mean, they basically got blanked, basically struck out the side twice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do. I don't think that they make any big decisions, but Friedman did say it's going to look a little different. I will say the one thing I'm confident on is Cody Bellinger has played his last game in Los Angeles. I'm almost certain of that. It's crazy, and I, I know we're dragging this on. We're 32 minutes in and still talking about this, but like, it's going to be interesting to think what happens to Cody Bellinger. Because, uh, you know, he had that MVP season, but he's been nowhere even close to that level since. Who's going to want him? What's going to happen? I mean, he's a great defender, so he's going to be a starter, you would assume, on some roster. But it's just it'll be interesting to see how his career progresses from this point. I, I I can't think of a situation too much similar to what he's gone through and going to go through. He he'll be a Cincinnati Red by December. I'm just I'm calling my shot right there. He's gonna go be a Red, um, which I'm I'm happy about. I mean, good for him. Uh, he did hit a home run there that I would have caught if I wasn't busy getting popcorn and hot dogs. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much through. There, there's the Dodgers blueprint. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's just discouraging. Like, I want to get off this segment, and we will. But my final thoughts are like, it, it's just brutal. Like, you sit there and watch a 162 game season. You watch most of the games. You watch them be great, one of the best teams ever. And in typical Dave Roberts era Dodgers, you see one of the hardest chokes imaginable. Um, obviously, it stings much worse losing to. San Diego um, more than anyone, but it's just really disappointing. I mean, it. I don't want to say it was a non-competitive series because the games were close. They had plenty of opportunities to win it, but it's just a beat down. Um, so, so it's disappointing, but uh, as Vin Scully would say, spring will come again and the Dodgers will be playing baseball. Uh, so regardless of what the organization looks like, I will continue to be a fan and my support will not waver but they should fire Dave Roberts. Let's go to Yankees guardians. Um, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, October 18th, uh, just probably 30, 45 minutes after the conclusion of game five, the only series to go five games. Um, this series had my emotions in all types of different places. Um, you know, I don't even know where to start. I mean, that game one, it was Cole versus Quantrill. It was, you know, you're t- you're up against the wall going against Cole, who, by the way, had a tremendous series, two fantastic outings from Garrett Cole. Uh, we opened that game with a solo shot by Quan and just kind of 
lose it from there. Cal struggles going through the lineup a third time. Game two, Bieber pitches excellent. Guardians are able to rally in extras um, and come up big against Nestor in that game. Game three was just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, that Oscar Gonzalez walk-off, it was one of those, you know, one of those moments you'll never forget, at least from my standpoint, watching that um, as a big Cleveland fan. Uh, it was just really unbelievable. Um, and I felt like the Guardians had a, I mean, they did. They had an unbelievable chance to win the series at that point, up 2-1 with another game in Cleveland. All the momentum after an incredible, another walk-off from the rookie. Game four was just kind of, you know, boring, I guess. You know, they they didn't really have their chances. It just kind of, the magic wasn't in the air. I was at that game in progress, at progressive field game four. Um, didn't work out in today's game, man. There's a lot to break down with this whole rain delay, but the thing just about the game real quick, Savali comes in, starts, gives up the three-run shot to Stanton, comes out just seemed like he he wasn't there mentally he didn't have his command he wasn't able to find the zone walks glaber to lead it off strikes out judge um another runner gets on stan blasts it and that's kind of it i mean the guardians had some moments where they could have had a key hit they had the bases loaded at one point walked away with their only run had a runners in second and third at one point just weren't able to get it done it's disappointing to drop two straight but yankees move on uh, there's a lot to unpack here, James. So, you know, where do you want to start? Well, I think the first thing I, w- I want to say, it's easy to get carried away in the playoffs and with the reactions. Cleveland had an incredible, incredible season. Terry Francona had an incredible job. Tito is the AL manager of the year. No other way to look at it. Look, this is a team who in the preseason, I wasn't sure was going to do anything. The organization stepped up to sign Jose Ramirez to a ridiculously undervalued deal, thanks to his generosity, and keep him in place. And the young kids were incredible. They showed that they have more pitching talent than just Shane Bieber. I think if you're a Cleveland fan, it sucks to get booted in the playoffs, but the fact that they were just playing in the ALDS and had a pretty legitimate shot to knock off the Yankees is incredible. I think the future in Cleveland is so, so bright. Uh, incredible young core there. So I just want to lead with that because it's important to kind of tip the cap and acknowledge what they did and what they put together um, to get there. Um, So, you know, really magical season from Cleveland. Expect uh, more domination of the AL Central from them moving forward. Um, And look, I mean, it was a tough matchup. They had, you know, they were able to get out of the wild card. and get that done versus the Rays. But, like, the Yankees are not an easy draw. Uh, Garrett Cole, again, showed why he gets paid the bucks he gets. I mean, incredible two outings there. You said game four, like, Cleveland didn't really put it together. I think that was just Garrett Cole was on a different planet. Um, so so that was it. Um, Judge was pretty much a non-factor. He did have the home run, but for the most part was a non-factor in the series, um, which, you know, helps Cleveland, but they still got it done. Stanton played a big role. Um, so, you know, I had the guards to win it. I thought they would. I'm still happy with that pick with how everything wrapped up. Um, but overall, you know, kind of sad. You wish they could have snagged that game, um, at some point, but I do want to talk about this very, very fishy rain delay. Rob Manfred loves the Yankees. The city of New York is scumbags, just all kinds of controversy. Um, 
really this from game four ending on has been nothing but controversy up until the first pitch. Um, it started with the Yankees having some playing issues. It was reported that they were actually still there and had to stay the night. Turns out that wasn't true, but they did get delayed. And I think they got back to New York at say two thirty AM the day of game four or game five in New York. Um, so obviously, you know, you're getting in late, not getting the full rest, some implications there. Um, also, not to mention the pitching situation. Tito did a great job to keep his high leverage guys ready to roll um, for game five. It ultimately ended up, I wouldn't say backfiring, but he lost that advantage because, um, as you know, you hinted at MLB did pit down this this rain delay and then ended up postponing the game from yesterday to today, uh, giving Nestor Cortez um, some time, but giving just the Yankees some time to really catch up and their arms needed it. Uh, so I think that was a huge advantage that, um, you know, could go either way. I know some people are saying it's rigged and it's also like, well, you know, it's hard to say you rigged rain, but it's also like, there's some, so, so what are your thoughts on that, Max? I mean, that whole rain delay, cause it played a, I would say it changed the series. No question. It, it certainly changed the series. I mean, before looking at the rain and like, you, the the Yankees were set to start Jamison Tyone, who came in in relief in game two and was the one who gave up those go-ahead runs uh, and I think ultimately got the loss in that game uh, to give the Guardians the lead in game two in Yankee Stadium. Uh, and he was slated to start, and it was going to be a mostly bullpen game with this bullpen that would have played its fourth game in four days, was already missing some beat key pieces like Michael King and the world Chapman among others Peralta's pitched every game Wasica Trevino they've pitched a ton uh, and Clay Holmes just coming off injury versus the Guardians bullpen uh, with Savali who was starting that night you know we can't just assume he was gonna collapse like he did today uh, in the bullpen that has been dominant all all year and was pretty dominant today as well once they came in um, you know Hench has pitched well Stefan Karen Chak Classe and it comes around, the rain comes in, it's clearly raining, but right after they call it, it did seem to clear up. It was very late at that point. I think it was probably the right call to call it. It's just unfortunate because Nestor comes in on three days rest and pitches tremendously well, and we have to face him a second time instead of Jameson Tyone. Terry Francona, uh, you know, he said Bieber wasn't going to pitch on three days rest probably the right thing to do with his history of injuries. Um, he was out in the bullpen. It would have been, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I was kind of rooting for him to start just because he's the ace. He's the guy you want to see in game five. And it would have been, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. So it's unfortunate that things played out the way they did. I think we had an edge going into game five as it was originally slated. And we lost that edge with the rain delay. Um, but it's one of those things you just never know. You just never know. Um, I just, I do, I just want to jump in there and say I think that is fact. I'm taking that as fact. You can't talk about is it rigged, is it not? But either way you slice it, the Guardians did have an edge up until that rain delay erased that edge, and that is part of managing playoffs. And that's what a great manager can do is create that edge. So it sucks because Tito did a great job to pit them there, um, and they did lose that advantage. Um, the other thing I want to jump on real quick, Max, uh, is just the city of New York being scumbags. Um, 
obviously reports came out that there was no hotel in Manhattan, New York, or any boroughs in New York that could house the entire Cleveland Indians team. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Guardians (laughs) team. Absolutely do not believe that. Um, Some scummery. So they had to have the team all split up and some guys here, some guys there. And, you know, not a major, major game-changing thing, but still – I think it's kind of scummy. I mean, I don't I mean, know. It's because they were expecting – they checked out of their hotel. They were ready to leave. They were going to fly back to Cleveland if they lost or fly to Houston if they won. And so, you know, to be fair, you can imagine the difficulty of trying to get, I don't know, 50 people into a hotel uh, on late notice at night trying to check them into some random hotel in New York in the middle of game five of the the ALDS among – everything else that's going on in New York. But, you know, it is kind of, it's just one of those things. As I will say this as a citizen of Columbus, Ohio, uh, in the event that we have other professional hockey teams in town for games, I fully expect the uh, hospitality industry to take care of those teams. Obviously I don't want them to beat Columbus. I get there, the competition, but that's where you got to grow up and make things happen again. Like, Start kicking people out. Let's go. We got a professional ball club in here going into a playoff matchup. You know, let's take care of them. And, I mean, I think, if anything, the Yankees, as a professional organization, owe that to them to step in and use their name to help take care of them. I think that's the right thing to do. I mean, at the end of the day, I would hope that the Dodgers would do the exact same thing and get proper accommodations for anyone coming into Chavez Ravine. Um, I don't necessarily blame the Yankees, though. I do want to be clear on that. I I don't think the Yankees – we're pulling strings and making this happen. Uh, but just kind of a weird, it's a weird thing to read that a pro sports team can't get a hotel. You don't see that often. Certainly. Yep. Certainly was. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's, that's mostly that series. I thought it was probably the most exciting um, of the DS series. Again, as you mentioned, only one to go five, which is crazy because we only had one of the wild card series go the full length. So this has been the year of, not going the full length, and I do not expect us to have any championship series go to seven games. Yeah, you know, yeah, it it was, it, I mean, it certainly was the most competitive by it going five. Um, it's just disappointing. You know, I, I had my hopes high. I, I It was one of the best Cleveland moments I can remember in recent memory, that Oscar Gonzalez walk-off hit. I mean, that rally, it's just, it was really remarkable, really remarkable. I was out of breath immediately. I just couldn't – I, like, blacked out. I couldn't remember what happened. It was just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, the Yankees were supposed to win the series. They were. They've got the third highest payroll in baseball. Guardians have the third lowest in baseball. Um, and I think it just kind of shows that the long ball does run October. Guardians out hit. Uh, the Yankees in the series guardians did leave a lot of guys on. They had a lot of spots where they could have gotten some more runs like in that first game and today. Um, and you know, that's how baseball is. There are a lot of moments in every game where things could shift uh, dramatically for either team. And that's kind of how I felt this series was at some big moments and some of these high leverage spots in these games. Uh, but the Yankees got it and they move on to the ALCS. Yeah, no, and I just want to add on the rain delay. I think that the Cleveland baseball franchise has been historically disproportionately affected by rain in the postseason. 
They lost their edge with this rain delay. I will go to my grave. I was in person for game seven of the 2016 World Series. I will go to my grave saying if that rain delay does not happen there, the Indians at the time, the Cleveland Indians, would have won that series. That that I will take that as a fact every single time, disproportionately affected by the rain. I hate to even speculate on that, but it's, I I'm think just, there's a good it's chance. Subjectively true. It's, ob- it's subjectively true. I mean, they resumed the game without telling the fans. I mean, when Chicago scored the go-ahead run, no fans were in the seats because everyone was in the concourse. They didn't even say they were going. So whatever. I digress. That was six years ago. Um, just still disproportionately affected by rain, but absolutely incredible effort. The Guardians pit up. Uh, excited to see this team compete uh, in the postseason, hopefully for many years to come. Agreed. Let's go to the back to the National League. The Philadelphia Phillies versus the defending world champion Atlanta Braves. The Phillies just stomp on them. They really do. I mean, if you look back at these games, they were barely even competitive. You know, the score of the first game, I think, is a little deceiving because, uh, it was, the Phillies won seven to six, but if you remember in that ninth inning, Matt Olson hit a three run bomb. It was seven three going in to that ninth inning. Um, and, you know, we said before the series, we said that that game could be a shift in the whole series because the Phillies have Ranger Suarez going against Max Freed. And if they steal that game one, they're getting Wheeler and Nola going in the next two games. And it's going to be scary for Atlanta. And honestly, that's exactly what happened. Um, the In game two was just an absolute pitching performance. Kyle Wright versus Wheeler. Both were pitching out of their minds. I mean, it was one of the all-time pitching performances. Wheeler was pitching better for Wright for, I would say, most of the game. I mean, his stat line was better. He was dominant. Ended up not ending the case, ending that way. And Kyle Wright gets the win. Kyle Wright, um, just an unbelievable pitching performance for the Braves in that game, too. The Braves win 3-0. to zero. And then the next two games were all Philadelphia. Both games in Philadelphia. Phillies just, just sucked the life out of the Braves. Neither were close. Um, some electric moments from Reese Hoskins' home run, Brandon Marsh's home run in game four, the inside the Parker by Real Muto. So many great moments. Um, and the Phillies are just super hot right now. Sweep the Cardinals, only lose one game to the Braves. Um, really dominating performance by the Phillies in this series, I'll say. Yeah, and I, I will say one, just a tip of the cap to Philly fans. Citizens Bank Park was bumping. I mean, that place was absolutely rocking electricity on 3,000. Uh, and a big part of this was Bryce Harper was a menace. He was a problem. He was the player of the series to me. Uh, when you can get an MVP caliber player playing like that, like Philly needs Bryce Harper to be out of his mind uh, for them to keep rolling. This is just so impressive to me. I mean, I look at a team who who we were skeptical of the roster that they put out there. We said it favored home runs and no defense. Um, they fired Joe Girardi. Rob Thompson comes in midseason, wills their way to the playoffs in the hardest division in baseball. And then just pits on a clinic and beats two teams he should not have beaten. Again, this Braves team I thought was the best uh, roster all across the board for depth pitching. Um, and it it really looked non-competitive. I mean, it really – Philly just gave them the old Philly curb stomp and got out of there. 
Yeah, they did. And and I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, I, I'm glad you pointed out Bryce Harper because his he had a slugging percentage in the series over one. His his slugging percentage was 1.063. He had an average of 500. I think the story for the Braves were one they were just out out hit and outscored in these games. They were getting hits from the guys that mattered. Uh, Acuna batted 333 in the series. Matt Olson batted 333. Uh, Travis Darno had an incredible series, had a slugging percentage at 938. But if you look at the rest of the guys, Dansby batted 125. Austin Riley batted 067. Michael Harris batted 071. Contreras 123. Just disappointing performances from some of those guys. Uh, and, and was that ultimately the factor? Maybe. Uh, you got to credit Philly's pitching and Philly's offense for stepping up. Um, you know, we've said since we started this podcast, when you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. And we've certainly seen that this year. You're hot at the right time. You can't be beat. And that's what's happening with the Phillies right now. They are on fire and their pitching is is performing well above expectation, you could say. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great series, Philly pitch. And I think it's electric. Again, this is a team that ended the longest drought in the National League, and it's parlayed that all the way up to the championship series with a very legitimate shot uh, to get to the World Series. And I know we'll cover the CS matches at the end of the show. Um, overall, great performance by the Phillies. Really impressed with what they were able to do. Um, and for the Braves, it's hard. I mean, the Braves are now sitting there. There's a three-person couch with the Braves, Mets, uh, and Dodgers that are all looking outside in, just really shocked. Um, and again, I think we'll talk about this later, but the two teams I was sure would not represent the National League from the World Series are the two teams, one of them will be representing the National League. So uh, it gets back to that thing. San Diego and Philadelphia are the hottest teams on the planet right now. And that's what October is all about. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about that uh, at the end of the show as well. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, both of these teams, if you look at the, the NLCS, it's the five versus the six seed, which is pretty crazy. The Phillies, any other year, they're not even in the playoffs, right? Without the expanded playoffs, they don't have a spot. Where if you look at the ALCS, it's the one and two seed which I think is interesting. And yeah, I, I like that group you made the Mets, Dodgers, Braves. I would even give St. Louis maybe a nod right outside of there. They're on the recliner. They're on, they're in the living room on the recliner. They're right there. If you said that this playoffs wouldn't in the NLCS wouldn't include the Mets, Braves, Dodgers, or Cardinals, I would be shocked. Not one of them. It's, it's, I mean, you got it's it's crazy. It's crazy, but that's what it's all about. You're gonna have two crazy fan bases. Um, James, are you ready to turn to the last DS? Yeah, and and this this last DS matchup was the least exciting. I mean, well, non. I, I it was exciting, but look, it went exactly what you. I don't think Seattle ever had a chance unless, of course, we're referring to Houston, Seattle. Everyone knows, big on the Mariners, love this Seattle team. I think they're electric. I think they're going to be great. Um, I'll say, you know, I have connections in the organization, was talking to them today, um, and they're very encouraged. I mean, the fact that they they ended the drought, they made noise, they made it to the DS. Same kind of situation as Cleveland, where it's like, yeah, it's not the ending you wanted, but so much hope for the future. And again, they're playing a Houston team that is up there for the most complete in baseball. 
insane pitching, insane bats. Jordan Alvarez is the player of the series, no doubt. The player of October, his bat was gigantic. And and to me, the series ended on game one. Game one, Seattle is in Houston. They are in a position to win. They get all over Justin Verlander, all over him, which, by the way, the same slander you're going to give to Clayton Kershaw, I want you to point right back to the guy who's won one World Series and it was through the means of cheating. Uh, I want the slander for him. He got absolutely peppered out of the game. Seattle has to win that game. Um, very questionable decision at the end of that game. You are uh, in the ninth inning, two outs. Jordan Alvarez comes to the bag, two runners on. Uh, they're down two. They decide to take Robbie Ray, the starting pitcher who has not pitched out of the bullpen in five years, bring him on a short warm-up, and come in to try and get a huge out against Jordan Alvarez. You know, of course, you can always look back after the fact and say, terrible decision. I get it. Bring in a good, high, a good guy, one high leverage bat. Obviously, we know how it goes. He throws the low sinker directly into Jordan's sweet spot, and he hit the ball to Jupiter. I mean, absolutely gone. Houston's going nuts. It's the walk-off. The series ended that day. You know, I don't think you can say any other way, Max. Seattle had an easy chance, get one more out, that's over. You steal the game in the away park. Now you have home field advantage, you're cooking, and that just kills momentum. I mean, you look, Julio was going mental in that game. He had three hits in his first three at-bats, a couple of ribbies. Um, total momentum killer, total total drain there. I think they lost, on game one, I think series was over. It's certainly a killer. I mean, the Mariners... To come in, get all over Justin Verlander, who's going to win the AL Cy Young, put up a ton of runs, be in a great position, be one out away, and to give up a bomb to Jordan Alvarez. I, you know, you can debate the Robbie Ray bringing him in, whether it was the right move. I don't mind the move. I think it was just a bad pitch. You know, he misplaced a sinker. It was pretty much middle-middle, and Jordan is one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball and just – absolutely crushes it um and it killed all the momentum for them to get all over verlander put up a ton of runs and be one out away and blow it it's hard to come back from that uh in game two it just seemed like you know the mariners had the lead at one point but it just seemed like the astros were going to win that game from the start uh despite castillo pitching pretty well and then game three zero zero into the 18th inning before Jeremy Pena hits a solo homer. Uh, interestingly enough, I was at the 0-0 Guardians game to the 15th longest scoreless postseason game in history. That record lasted a week, and it was taken by this game. Um, just, I mean, as you would expect in a 0-0 game, it was all about the pitching uh, or lack of offense or both. Neither team could really get anything going for the whole game. Uh, and you got to credit both bullpens for going all the way through pretty much depleting both bullpens. And Jeremy Pena, the rookie stepped up Mariners couldn't answer in the bottom of the 18th. And that was that it just seemed like one of those series where that game one cost them. The Mariners had their opportunities. They should, I would, I don't want to say should have won game one, but they were right there until the last pitch winning game one. They had their chances in game two and they needed one run, two runs in game three, and they would have won. So it was a sweep, but I think it could have gone so many different ways. 
Yeah, I would love to see if you replay that game one and they win that, how that turns out. I mean, the one thing I will say, I get there's two base runners on, so you don't really want to load up the bases there. I don't see any universe in which you can throw Jordan Alvarez anything that is borderline hittable. I mean, I'm not saying you pull out the intentional walk here, but to drop anything near center, and of course I understand he was not like, hey, I'm going to throw this dead center, see how far you can hit this, but you just... You can miss in a lot of ways. You just cannot miss over the plate in the center of the zone uh, to that hitter. I will say I am very happy, very proud of the Dodgers organization for trading Jordan Alvarez for a month-and-a-half rental of Josh Fields. That is an incredible trade um, that is not going to haunt them for the rest of history. Huge trade, big win. Um, but, yeah, it was all Jordan Alvarez. Again, I don't know how you throw him a hittable pitch. I understand Robbie Ray probably didn't think let me toss him a meatball, but I mean, he was killer in this series, killer bat. Um, and this Houston team to me, and we'll talk about it as we go into it. Like they're really, I, I don't see any way in which they don't want a world series here. Um, there's no, they're certainly team that the favorites. there's no team that is even in their galaxy. Um, not even in the same dimension, um, in terms of quality of roster. Um, so you hate to see that, that the most likely outcome is that, one of the most morally corrupt, uh, you know, valueless organizations in pro sports is going to have another stab at it. Uh, but, you know, still exciting for Seattle. I would love, love to see what would happen if they just walked Alvarez and bring up the next batter and, and take it from there. Um, but we'll never know. Um, but. Yeah, Seattle I mean, shout out Jordan. I mean, not only with the walk-off, but, you know, you got to bring up the go-ahead two-run homer uh, into the Crawford boxes in game two, which was huge. He's the MVP of the series, uh, maybe the MVP of all of uh, base, all of the postseason so far that we've seen, uh, if not, you know, maybe Bryce Harper or some other guys. But I would say Trent Grisham, honestly. <laughs> Trent Grisham maybe too, yeah. Um, I will say it while you were talking, Max, it did come to me. You asked me how we we're going to fix the shortstop position. If not Carlos Correa, uh, if Andrew Friedman can't get a hold of the Boston Red Sox, he needs to call the Texas Rangers and say, I cannot believe we let Corey Seeker get away. What do you want? Um, we'll do a sign and trade with Trey. We'll, we'll include assets, pitching assets. We'll, Andre Jackson, uh, Dustin May, what do you want? Corey Seeker, that's the solution. I want him back. That's the guy who knows how to win. So we reviewed all the DS jams, Yankees over Guardians, Astros over Mariners, Phillies over Braves, and Padres over the Dodgers. The CS is set. Game one's on right now. I'm actually watching it. It's top third, 0-0 between the Phillies and Padres. Let's talk about this. So let's look at the NLCS first. We've got the Padres at the Phillies, or excuse me, versus the Phillies. Padres have home field advantage. Best of seven now. You Darvish for Zach Wheeler tonight. Blake Snell versus Austin Nola. Aaron Nola, I always forget which is which. Uh, speaking of which, they are both in this series. Um, and it is Aaron Nola. Then Musgrove versus Suarez. I mean, this is going to be a great series. Both of these teams, both of these fan bases are going to be hyped. Neither team... I, I mean, I don't want to say this, but neither team, you know, probably expected to be playing, being here, let alone playing each other. Both got to feel like they've got a great shot to really win a World Series here. Where, what do you think is going to happen? Well, so 
So, and, and I'm confident saying what you want it. Neither of these teams should be here. That is a fact. Uh, I think if you do seven game playoff series, this is not the matchup you get. Uh, but that's that's irrelevant. They are here. Um, they deserve to be here. I think the Padres are the significantly better team. They have a huge pitching advantage, not even in the same dimension pitching wise. Uh, I think the Padres have a lot more advantage in the depth hitters. Again, your Kim, your Myers, your Trent Grisham. But I do not see, and again, I'm making this pick fully based off of off the field vibes, environment, culture. The win that the Padres just got for LA, nothing, absolutely nothing can top that. You have a team that has beat you mercilessly for 10 years, beat you into a coma. The last two years has beat you unconscious, uh, has basically made you almost not qualify as an MLB organization. And you come around and knock that juggernaut out of the playoffs early, unexpected, you know, their first CS, um, I just don't see how you can refocus and not have that hangover effect when you're playing a game versus Philly. And I think they very well could. Again, I think they are the better team. I have to pick Philly because I think the hangover effect is just there. I mean, again, they just their biggest moment in franchise history just happened. It's hard to come off that and win. I like them as the better team. I have Philly winning this simply on the hangover effect. It's interesting because you know you gotta can, you gotta say something about Philly beating Atlanta too. I mean, Atlanta's been the, they're the reigning world champs. They they've all the talk in the NL East has been about the Philly or the excuse me the Braves and the Mets and which one's the king of the NL East. And here come the here come the Phillies um, going further than both of them. So I don't know. To me, it's really close. I think this is going to be a great series. I think both of these teams care a lot as they should, and they're going to be battling. And both of these fan bases are going to be rocking like crazy. The pitching's good. The offenses are hot. Um, I am leaning towards Philly, I think, slightly. But it's so close, it's hard for me even to say that. I just think Philly's bats are going to stay hot. I think I would prefer San Diego's pitching, but it's so close it's so close. I'm just my gut is saying Philly. My gut's saying Philly, um, but it's going to be a tremendous series. I think the time's right for them. I mean, it just it feels so right for Philly to make a crazy run here again. I think that hangover effect really cannot be, you know, overstated for Joe Musgrove. This was the biggest moment of his life. Like he even said it. He's like for 30 years as a Padres fan, I've watched the Dodgers just smack me in the face. We yep. got to smack back. Um, and this Philly team, kind of right place, right time. And again, all October is this who's the hottest team. We've seen that time and time again. It has nothing to do with the best team. It's strictly who's the hottest team. Um, it's going to be a tight one. This really could go either way. It could go seven games. It could go four games. It could go San Diego. It could go Philly. Tough one to get a read on. Again, your five and six seeds um, could go either way. I do want to say, however... This San Diego team with Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be a juggernaut. Uh, if they can keep their pitchers pitching at the level that they did it in through September and through October in the postseason, they're going to be a juggernaut. Big if there. I mean, obviously, the guy's a juice box boy. He's riding motorcycles, really cares about anything except for playing baseball. But he's incredibly good at baseball when he does play. I'm, I'm a little bit scared of that, um, that team. 
Yeah, and you know, I I think I think the NL West will be interesting next year because of what you said uh, with Tatis back, but also if San Diego is able to win the series, maybe even win a World Series, and the Dodgers kind of down might maybe a total reworking of how the team is structured, like you said, uh, it, it could be interesting to see how that plays out in the next year. But let me let me just before we shift over, I just want to say. I'm guaranteeing you right now on paper, LA will have above a 66% winning percentage above San Diego in the regular season. No question about that. No doubts. I don't care if they follow my blueprint or not. It's just they win the games that don't matter. So at the end of the day, I still tip my cap to the Padres. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, But it seems like we're both leaning Philly, which is a little interesting. We'll see. I think it's going to go six or seven. I don't see it going before that. But at the same time, you know, you never know. Let's go to the other side. We just talked about the five versus six matchup. Let's talk about the one versus two matchup. To me, I think this is all Houston. I think it's Houston in five. Uh, I just think Houston's the way better team. They've got the rest. Yankees struggled. They rely on the long ball too much. Houston's got the best pitching in the whole uh, postseason and on all of the MLB. They've got a great offense. I just, I, I don't think the Yankees are there. They we're so close to losing to the Guardians. I think this is all Houston. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, we saw Aaron Judge has been relatively quiet, a pretty much a non-factor in this postseason. He was the reason they were even in this position because he was absolutely mental through the regular season. I think Houston has the advantage in every facet you can judge baseball. Outside of maybe the long ball, and I would still say they're relatively competitive. Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez aren't Judge and Stanton, but, you know, they're pretty close. Um, but pitching, huge advantage. Defense, huge, huge advantage. Pitting runs together, base hitting, huge advantage. Experience, huge advantage. Again, this is a team that has been in the ALCS six straight seasons, which you can see how impressive that is with the fact that the Dodgers have not been able to do anything close to that. Um I like Houston here. I don't see a way where, you know, where they're not there. There's been some allegations. Um, some would say unfounded. I would say we need to investigate them, that the trash can is actually back in play. Um, I'm not fully in board on that camp. I don't think so, but there have been allegations. I wouldn't say unfounded, but I don't think the trash can's in play. Still have Houston. I mean, again, their pitching is just Garrett Cole. If they, if the Yankees win this series, uh, and I agree with you. I have Houston at five, by the way. I think it's a five-game series. If they win this game, it will be solely on the fact that Garrett Cole will be the ALCS MVP. He's going to have to not only win two games as a starting pitcher, he is going to have to come in in relief and probably pitch two to three innings to close out game seven. That's the only way the Yankees win this, in my opinion. Against his former team, too. But, it, yeah, I mean, we've... we. We said from a baseball standpoint that the Astros have all the advantages from a matchup standpoint. I think we would agree, except maybe the long ball. Um, but also the fact that the Yankees had two rain delays. They just finished a five-game series today. They've got to fly straight to Houston. They've got Jamison Tyone pitching tomorrow versus Verlander. Uh, I mean, they're just going to be in a tough spot. They're going to have to really battle where Houston uh, while those were tough games and they went 18 innings, that game was on Saturday, you know, so they're not playing game one until tomorrow, Wednesday night. They've been resting this whole time. All their arms are going to be ready to go. Whereas New York has just battled a five game series with rain delays, with 
all this type of stuff in an already depleted bullpen going Jamison Tyone, who's normally I would say they're four starter, but three this no, yeah, four, maybe five starter behind <clears throat> Cole, Cortez, Severino, and normally Montas and maybe Germán. So, I, you know, it's just going to be tough for them. They're going to be battling. I'm going to be rooting for Houston because I'm just tired of the Yankees, to be honest. And this Guardian series has taken it out of me. But I, I think we're on board with the Astros in four or five. Yeah, I don't necessarily want either team to win the series. I think, unfortunately, they will. Um, I'm going to go lesser of two evils. And, and I'll, I want New York to win. I, there's no way I can respect myself as a baseball fan and not pick Houston. I think they're better. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And I give the advantage to Houston through the whole World Series. They're the only team that has any experience in the postseason left. Uh, you know, they, they're just a complete team. I it would be nice to one silver line and I'll say is Dusty Baker getting that championship. Um, that would be the biggest silver line in here. Um, you know, that's really like, the, it's just so hard for me to find juice in these games to care about. Yeah. Um, really I'm all in on Philly. It's the only team that could win that I would not be upset with winning. Um, so I guess I hope they hope they get there. I think it would be great for Bryce Harper to get that, that ring, get a ring on him. Uh, you know, certify what's already been a great career. Um, yeah, I don't really feel like I have like a rooting interest. Like I don't have a team anymore. I'm just kind of watching for entertainment. There's really no team I'm hoping to see win at all. I, I don't want the Yankees to win. But other than that, I don't know. I, I kind of just think the Astros are going to win. They certainly are the best team left, but we'll see, James. Yeah, and now just, you know, as we wrapped up, Max, kind of a question I want to go into a little bit, and it's a question that's been thrown around a lot in, online in the baseball community, uh, which is overall the whole playoff structure. And, you know, I want to acknowledge going into this conversation, I'm obviously coming into this uh, a team that was a heavy favorite and was upset, so there's probably some bias there. I'm not fully on board on the camp that we need to change the playoff structure. Um I'm a little undecided, uh, but look, I think you can see the drawbacks, and I think it's a weird juxtaposition you have here where you play the longest regular season, 162 games, this giant grind to really make sure you get it right, and then you wrap it up in a three-game and a five-game series like that. Um, that doesn't seem to make – you know, there's two arguments. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but it's also like, well, yeah, the postseason's more condensed because we played 162 games, so every team there deserves to be there. Um, so there's some of that, but I just look at the, the historically great teams that have gone down, you know, this Mets team, this Dodgers team, the Braves team, um, you know, I put the Cardinals there a little bit adjacently, um, maybe even the Blue Jays, just some, some teams, but the fact that you, you have teams that are that good, again, I look at the National League primarily, the fact that you had really those, when we said it's got to be one of those four teams and the fact that none of them are there I feel like there has been this question about the playoff format what could change and just kind of what are your opinions Max where are you where are you sitting on the the playoff format look it's it's the first year with this new format so I think it's too small a sample size to say I, I'm, I'm done with it or I want it to go away I, I don't know if um, you know, there's so many, there's so many things. So in the NL, you have all these teams going out early, the Mets. I mean, the four teams that we mentioned, all the favorites. Is it 
the fact that the the Braves and Dodgers got to rest for so long, did that hurt them where you have the teams that do play early, get all this momentum and are able to carry that into the CS? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think this is going to happen every year. I mean, the AL had the Yankees and Astros win. Uh, I think overall I'm a fan. Uh, I don't know what you can do. I think the biggest thing maybe you could do is shorten the regular season, but I don't want to do that because you're going to run into this issue where you're going to play an extended regular season of 162 games. And then they, they can't make a sample size large enough in the postseason to replicate that. So you're going to get these five game, seven game series where you just got to be, you just got to be on point. There's nothing else you can do. You got to be ready and you got to be on point. That's how the postseason always was. As far as the expanded playoffs, I think right now I'm a fan of it. It allows more teams to get in. The wild card round was fun. Four games, three game series. I liked that. Um, so I, I, I definitely think they should keep it how it is for the next several years and see what happens and see what ramifications that are unseen come from it. I don't want to see them shorten the season. I don't think they'll shorten the season. I don't even think that'll necessarily fix the issue. It comes down to teams have to be ready to play in the postseason. That's how it's been for over 100 years. You don't have a choice. Show up in the postseason and play your best. Uh, that's, that's how it is. That's why teams pay big bucks for the guys who show up every game. And sure, you can get hot and sneak your way through and win. And that's what's great about baseball is every team has a chance. So I, I'm a fan of how the league is structured now. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter hating on the playoff structure, hating on uh, just postseason baseball in general and the fact that there's so much parity and it's hard to really make predictions about it. But I personally think that's one of the things that makes it great. Yeah, you know, I do agree you have, have that element where, and we said it long before this postseason started, anything can happen. Truly, once you're in, it is everyone's got a 0-0 zero, zero record, a zero average, um, and you're starting from square one. I think the one change I would maybe consider, and I like the expanded playoffs. I think that's great. I like the move from the wild card being one game to a three-game series. And, you know, the official baseball postseason is actually just the divisional series, the championship series, and World Series. Um, so the wild card really is technically a separate thing. The one change I would say, and again, I do acknowledge my bias as a team that was just eliminated in the DS. I think every game in the official MLB postseason, there should be seven-game series. I mean, Joe Musgrove did even say it. He said, I, he said on the podium, I'm happy that this was a five-game series versus L.A., um, with how they played, I'm not sure that they win a seven-game series either way. But I do think once you get into that level and you're in the last eight teams in baseball, it should be a seven-game series. Uh, there's some excitement with five, but I just can't really think of a good reason to not go seven. It's like you have a seven, a seven, a seven. I mean, every other one, you look at the NBA, seven-game series. Uh, you look at hockey, seven-game series across the board. Football, obviously, is one game. Makes sense. Uh, so that would be maybe the only change I would consider. Again, I'm not fully on board one way or the other um, right now, but I would, I think, like to see, you know, I'd like to see the Braves have the seven games to tango a little bit. The Dodgers, seven games to tango. Seattle, see what they could maybe put together. Cleveland could have won in seven. I think, like, you just get more playoff baseball that way. I think more playoff baseball is better than less playoff baseball. 
Um, so it's an interesting yeah. idea, but at the end of the day, you just need to show up and win. And no matter what the series yeah. length, if you do that, you will win a World Series. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think I would say, you know, I kind of like the five gamers. Um, I don't know why. I just think it's different. And I don't know. The five gamer, it's, it's, it makes every game so important, which I like. We're in a seven game. Obviously, every game is still super important. But a five game, it's like one moment can change the series, which creates all these extremely high leverage moments, which I love. I don't. And again, I don't know if that really would fix the issue. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's fine how it is. I, I think baseball is doing great this postseason. I've been enjoying it. I don't think it's time to make any more radical changes because we, we just made a huge change this offseason. So I think we should keep it how it is for a little bit. Yeah, and you know, the the big question, I will say the metrics are coming back that the marketability of the league, the people watching is up a huge amount. Um, so I will acknowledge that. But while saying that, I also think they have the least marketable National League Championship Series in recent memory. I mean, Maybe, quite yeah. frankly, if I didn't have to talk about the games on this show, I would not watch a single second of it. It's just wow. really like, like why why do I want to watch two teams that I know are not even close to the best teams in their league play? You know, I think it's fun to have one Cinderella team, but two, it's like, I mean, there's not there is not a pitcher in that series that is even sniffing the Hall of Fame. There's not one. There's not a single pitcher that will take them out there that has a higher than a point zero 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 one percent chance to make the Hall of Fame. See, but I think that's what's great about it. I think you got these two teams that may they may not be the best, but they're hot. And speaking of, we got a live update. Mr. Bryce Harper, red hot, goes solo shot in the top of the fourth. Uh, one zero Phillies. Uh, anyway. I don't know. I, I think it's part of what makes baseball great because it just shows that no matter where who your team are, whether it's Cleveland, LA, St. Louis, all any of these teams, like you always have a chance as long as you get in. And I know how much the Philly fans care. I know how much the San Diego fans care. And they deserve their shot. <laughs> I see you shaking your hand at that. Uh, but I just think it's what makes baseball great. I watch it no matter what. Phillies fans very much care. I think there is a segment of Padres fans that are incredible baseball fans and diehard fans. Very great. Love their team. Love their city. Love the Padres. Respect those people. I think majority of the people that claim the Padres talk about the Padres have no clue. They had no clue. Anyone who played on the Padres before Fernando Tatis Jr., they have no clue that it's an organization that's done basically nothing. Um and then there's a contingent of them that are just sick, sadistic bastards making fun of Vin Scully, uh, who deserved to be thrown into the pits of hell um, forever. But there is that contingent of San Diego fans that I will acknowledge are great fans. Very exciting. Again, kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm almost happy for the Padres, though. I, I am almost happy that they have this moment, um, something to hang their hat on. I think it's going to be exciting to see where they go and i'm sure there are some fans that are very excited but from a national perspective it's just like i mean it is fun it's it's fun. i struggle with it because the parody is what makes the postseason so great the fact that yeah. you can have the 2011 cardinals or 2019 nationals go out there and win 
is what makes postseason baseball great. It's the great equalizer. And again, you can take a team like the Padres who got crucified by the Dodgers all season, and it doesn't matter. And they showed up when it matters. So that's where, Max, I'm really undecided. But I think being on you have a position that we should keep, and I'm undecided. So I think that that adds up to an average of let's keep it how it is. And uh, yeah, I'm willing to be convinced in the years coming if we see how it changes the league. But right now, I think it's too early to make any drastic changes. And I guess while we're on it, because we're already this deep in, I wonder, like, I want to say, what is the point of regular season baseball? Obviously, that's where most of the season is. You get it done. But it's like looking at this postseason, how do you contextualize that? Because the regular season, in effect, meant absolutely nothing unless you were a team that got booted and but that's what makes it great so it's just like so I struggle from a a Dodgers fan perspective next year they go win 120 games why am I supposed to care how am I supposed to care I mean you know and I get that is coming from this you know one position but it's just like now I feel like I'm in an impossible position because I can sit here and root them along to break more and more records, have the highest run differential in the history of baseball for them to win one game. And that's not an MLB problem. That, again, is an organization problem. That is a Dave Roberts problem. Um, but it, it's just interesting. Like, I found myself, you know, always going to watch, but it's like I'm, I'm just kind of beat down. Like, it's hard for me to even get hyped up about this team taking the field again. I think you'll be hyped when the, when it comes opening day next year. Well, if they follow the blueprint, I'll be ecstatic. We do. We gotta get a GoFundMe. We got cash considerations to the Rangers. We're doing transfer fees like it's uh, you know, professional soccer. We're gonna ship them about eight hundred million dollars for the rights to Corey Seager. Let's ride. We'll see. We'll see. Well, James, I think we can call it there. <clears throat> well, one thing I would add, Max, just so everyone yeah. knows, we covered the wild card and division as full series, waited for them to conclude. Uh, in the championship series, we're going to do a little bit of a switch up, uh, come in with a lot more frequent updates to kind of capture the series as the drama moves along, give a little more detailed insights. Uh, so follow the show. Stay tuned for updates there and on our Twitter, uh, and we will cover the rest of this. Very exciting postseason, regardless of what you think. This has been an absolutely electric postseason. It has. Yeah, I say maybe episode Friday or Saturday. We'll see what happens. Uh, But yeah, we'll break down these series as we go through more constant updates. But episode 66, James, it was a good one. Always a pleasure.